And whether or not you're able to you know, build a successful business, what you will learn in that process because of being stretched so far outside your comfort zone on a daily basis can be absolutely reformative. Welcome to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom, a podcast where we provide insights, tips, and inspiration for college students and young professionals so they can make a really successful transition from college life to the professional world and beyond. My name is Andy Malinsky, and I'm your host. I'm also a professor of organizational behavior and international management at Brandeis University's International Business School, where we record and produce this podcast. Okay, so today's guest is uh, Galen Carlin Mason, who is the CEO and founder of Green Choice. And normally I would be reading his bio, but uh, this is a uh, first on From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom. He is right here, so he is going to tell us about himself. So, Galen. Awesome. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, my name's Galen. And let's see, I, I was born and raised in a rural town in southern Vermont. Uh, in the natural environment, most of my days as a young child. Uh, and raised by two parents that I would characterize as former hippies though they may not own it the same. The reason I mention this is because I, you know, at an early age, was really engaged with ideas of uh, social justice uh, and, and environmental stewardship. And these were themes and have been themes throughout my life, which carries me to, to what I do now. I attended Brandeis University uh, as an undergrad. I was actually recruited to play soccer. And that was my focus for, for much of my young adulthood. Uh, until I went abroad and, and studied in Peru, where I started a nonprofit focused on youth empowerment. It was through that process that I learned even great ideas and great causes live and die by their funding. And so when I returned, I was set on learning more about business and how to build sustainable business that had ethical uh, consciousness and, and could promote sustainable, environmentally friendly action within consumers. And so that set me on the path to, to founding Green Choice while I was a graduate student at Brandeis. Cool. Uh, and uh, I should uh, put out a disclaimer here that uh, Galen was actually one of my former students. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I remember it well. <laughs> organizational behavior. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, so tell, us about, tell us about Green Choice. If you were, I mean, I imagine you have to pitch the company reasonable amount to potential um, uh, investors or even potential people who might want to join? What, what would you say about it? Yeah. Um, in one sentence, Green, Joy, Green Choice is a data-driven platform empowering informed food choices. What I found while I was a grad student was that I was leaving the grocery store feeling like I had compromised either on my health or my personal values as a result of budget or not knowing enough. and I started to get really frustrated. I'd be overwhelmed by these countless claims in the store. I would go online and all I could find was blog posts by self-proclaimed experts with very few credentials. And you know, I was overwhelmed and confused by what I should really be eating and what I should be buying. And I started to talk to other people and realized I wasn't alone. A lot of people felt this way about their food choices. And I started to realize that this was a big data problem. It was a big math problem 
that we needed some help solving and we needed a little bit of inspiration to, to get us to solve that problem. And so Green Choice was born from that. So, okay. So for instance, I walk into the supermarket and I want something for lunch. And what would be an example of the dilemmas that you're talking about? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we probably can all, uh, you know, if you eat eggs, uh, if you've ever bought eggs going in and, and looking at all those claims and you've got cage free and free range and pasture aged and, uh, organic, you've got added omega and I could keep going on. And what, you know, what really does it all mean? And you start to learn that cage free isn't really cage free. You start to learn that that free range doesn't necessarily mean the chickens are raging free. And, you know, this is just one micro example. You could replicate this throughout every aisle of the grocery store. Um, you know, and then you look at, at kind of these fast food trends and diets that are really being propagated on social media. Um, you know, many of them are coming from semi-informed places, right? So they take a, a piece of science, they try to extrapolate it to a large population of people. And, and maybe that diet worked for a segment of the population, but, but now it's being overprescribed. So we come in and we aggregate data on diet, health, and sustainability, and then use that data to evaluate how recipes and various food and beverage products match up with your specific values and dietary goals. So, so, so what is, is it an app? What does it look like? Our first, the first version of, of our platform is a mobile app that simplifies healthy values-based grocery shopping. And so you can use us to scan products in the store or search and browse products on the app uh, to see breakdowns of their food safety, processing concerns, nutritional value, and environmental impact. And we have over 80,000 products in our database. We cover many regional and national grocers. And so you can use us to, one, compare products, to build your shopping list in a very informed way. And, and finally, you can actually scan your receipts to track your progress and get uh, breakdowns of, of your impact and tips to improve. Cool. All right. So, so that's really interesting. And you join a, 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 co- a growing cohort on, from the dorm room to the boardroom of people who have founded very interesting companies while actually students. So <laughs> you're, yeah. not, you're not alone, uh, which is great. Really impressive. So let's rewind though. So you said you grew up in Vermont, you attended uh, Brandeis, you were recruited for soccer. Imagine Green Choice wasn't on your mind when you uh, entered Brandeis and Waltham uh, no, as a freshman? definitely not. <laughs> uh, so, so tell us about your college experience. Um, what did you, it sounds like going abroad was a real pivotal moment. Let's dig into that a little bit. What did you do before you went abroad and what actually motivated you, motivated you to go abroad? Yeah, yeah, this as I mentioned, I was recruited to play soccer at Brandeis, and I saw it as an opportunity to really uh, leverage uh, this deep passion and love of mine for, for the game of soccer to uh, open a door to a fantastic education. And I had n- never been an exceptional, uh, I was not an exceptional high school student. Um, I was never somebody who truly bought into traditional academics. And so for me, I, I, you know, I had decent grades. I didn't have Brandeis grades. And so to combine those things and, and seek an opportunity to really continue my education in a meaningful way. That was what drew me here. Self-admittedly, I, while I was here, soccer um, was, uh, you know, I was, as a student athlete, you're always tasked with balancing these two worlds. Obligations to your team and trying to be the best athlete that you can be and obligations to, to your own personal development as a, as a young professional, as a student. You know, I did an okay job. I think at the end of the day, um, 
I didn't take advantage of a lot of the student activities, a lot of the clubs and things that in hindsight are really valuable aspects of the college experience. But what I did have was a really meaningful community in my team. And I connected with, I was able to connect with some professors that ultimately really inspired me to think about business because that was not my background. And, and I think one important piece to note is when I came in, I didn't really know what I wanted to study. Right? It's part of why I said liberal arts school is for me. I get to play around and experiment. I thought economics was it. I started seeing those graphs and my mind went crazy. And I said, maybe not. So I you know, then looked at international and global studies and the idea of systems and how, how do these things influence the way that cultures develop. And that really grabbed me. And environmental science was, as I mentioned, a passion of mine. So these things are all about systems. And I started to realize I like thinking about systems and business is a network of systems. And so that was kind of early days of me formulating you know, my interests. What my career path would be, I had no idea as an undergrad. But I knew I wanted to study abroad before I was gone because I had had the privilege of spending a couple period, you know, short periods of time as a young child studying Spanish in Mexico and Guatemala. My mom would basically save up change and she would take my brother and I when we got enough savings to, to go travel abroad. And we would go and, and stay with a host family and study the language. And so I had this affinity for Latin American culture. I had a desire to improve my Spanish. And Peru was a country I knew very, very little about. So for me, it was an opportunity to you know, really build myself as an individual and uh, basically explore a place that uh, was very foreign to me. And uh, did you do a sort of a traditional study abroad in Peru or was it something different? <laughs> it started traditional, but it uh, quickly uh, veered <laughs> from that. So I went uh, my junior spring, it's a common time to go, and I was directly enrolled in the local university there. So it meant all my classes were in Spanish and I went out for the soccer team week one and ended up making the team and ended up actually starting for the varsity team there. Uh, and, and this was you know, really pivotal in that it immersed me in the local Peruvian community in a way that I never would have been immersed otherwise. So immediately I had a cohort of friends that were Peruvian that, you know, were welcoming me into their communities, uh, that were off the kind of beaten path of the tourist. Uh, and it was forcing me to, you know, really, well, it was forcing me to, to improve my Spanish and to figure out who I was on my own. But it was also giving me the freedom to be whoever I wanted to be. I didn't know anybody. They didn't know me. I could reinvent myself. And I started to fall in love with that process. And so, uh, you know, about four months in, approaching, you know, the final month when I would return, I, I kind of had this come to, you know, not religious, but whatever, this kind of this pivotal moment where I said, you know, this experience, uh, it can't end yet. I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm at the cusp of something truly life-changing and I got to embrace it. And so I, I called my coaches up from Peru. I remember the day distinctly, you know, shaking just with nerves. Told them, you know, uh, I'm not coming back for my senior season. I, I got to stay here and I, I need to embrace this experience while I have the opportunity. There will never be a better time. So I stayed, I continued to play soccer. Um, I took one class, but really I basically was... Uh, you know, not a college student for the next seven months. And I started this nonprofit called Golasos with a Peruvian teammate of mine, which was focused on youth empowerment through soccer. And, you know, those seven, eight months, I spent building the, 
the organization made a lot of mistakes. I ultimately didn't have the success I would have liked and came back thinking I would continue to, you know, I had to come back for one more semester of school and to finish up. And I came back thinking I would be able to fundraise remotely. My partner would run the local day-to-day operations and it didn't happen. You know, eight months we spent building this thing in less than two months it had fallen apart. And it was incredibly humbling. It was incredibly sobering. Um, and you know, that experience was really what triggered me to say, I've got a lot more learning to do. And it sounds like that was a great training ground too for learning what's entailed in starting something really, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, one of the biggest takeaways was there's a lot of formalities that go into like starting a business and, um, it's, it's very easy to get hung up on like this big thing you're building. And I think we naturally fall prey to saying like, it's gotta all be legit and put together. Um, when, when really there's a way to probably tackle the problem you want to solve in a very minimalistic approach. And I think we didn't go about it that way. And so it was a great learning experience to say, you know, next time we go about this, I'm going to try and solve the problem for the people who have that problem as quickly as possible. And I'll worry about the kind of the other things later. Mm, Interesting. So I want to ask you sort of like some of your, I don't know, stepping back advice uh, for uh, for college students. But I I do have to actually ask you, what what did your coach say (laughs) when you you called them and told them? (laughs) They accepted it. I think it was a first for them. And this maybe is a good segue into the second half of your question. It was a first for them to have somebody uh, that had been recruited, that had spent three years on, on the varsity team, and then was stepping away from their senior season after all that time and commitment. I think ultimately, I hope that they, they saw that it was, it was important for me. Um, and I surely knew that it was. So, you know, speaking on maybe advice, I'll, I'm, I'm always reluctant to share advice because I think a lot of people have advice to give, but I've always found that, that stories and real experiences are, are the way that I learn best. So finding common threads from, from one story to another. So I'll, I'll try and answer my, my advice in a, in a form of a sh- short story, which is, you know, it's, it's so important. I, I find that in, in our young professional lives, we are learning as much as we can. And uh, the, the best way to learn is to embrace the unknown and step outside your comfort zone, right? And this, I know this is something very uh, near and dear to, to your heart. So in that process, it's okay to not know what you want to do. It's okay to not know where exactly you're going. And this path, this journey that we're on, success, it's not linear. I mean, maybe there are some people that have figured out how to make it a linear path and, and find happiness along the way. I sure haven't, um, but I've, I've found happiness and I'm you know, in the early phases of finding success. And so for me, you know, the journey took a lot of zigzags and I don't want the, you know, I don't want your listeners to, to think that I had this all planned and figured out, right? When I came back, um, from being abroad and I had one semester left, I started that semester with five classes. Uh, a week of being back, basically I had some, uh, I had had a hard breakup as a result of staying abroad. I came back. It only got harder being, being, you know, in each other's presence. And, I lost a friend two weeks of being back um, to an overdose. And then I lost my grandmother that same week. 
And my world was flipped on its head almost overnight. I had no idea what I was doing. And I was definitely not thinking about school or graduation. And I finished that semester with two classes. I dropped three just so I could pass those two. And I graduated three months late in August. A month before graduating, I had one offer to sell Fios, Verizon, Verizon Fios, like door-to-door sales. And I had, thank God, um, I had applied to uh, the BA MBA program at Brandeis International Business School um, because, as I mentioned, on my return, I was you know humbled by this kind of failure I had had with Golasos. And you know, I, I I truly am grateful. I don't know what. Uh, forces were, were at play, but I was accepted into the program. And it truly, truly altered my trajectory. Uh, and I don't talk about this too often, but you know, um, I definitely didn't want to be a door-to-door salesman. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I was not on top of the job process, but this was my saving grace. And I went into grad school um, kind of renewed. Um, and before finishing my, my year of undergrad, I was actually kicked off of the men's soccer team. I had this idea that I would be able to play um, if I was a grad student um, because I still had eligibility. And I got kicked off because I was in such a you know, deep state of, of kind of depression, um, quite frankly, and, and making choices that weren't good for me or good for those around me. And so that moment to kind of have my heart, my, my true, first true love soccer ripped away from me because of my own actions, to have to drop these classes, to have to graduate late, to have no job options, it was, it kind of all came to head. And um, very quickly, you know, it, it was almost overnight, I snapped out of it and said, this is not the life for myself. Life is too short. I lost these friends way too early. And I'm doing them a disservice by not seizing every minute I have. And so I'm going to go to grad school and I'm going to have one goal. I've never been the best student but I have one aspiration and it's not to get all A's. That'd be great. But my goal is to leave, to graduate from the business school with my entire cohort wanting to work with me. If I could achieve that, then I'd been successful. And so that was the mind state I brought in to my graduate studies. Now, I don't know if I achieved that goal. You'd have to ask my cohort, but um, you know, I definitely uh, was able to embrace learning in a really new way. Uh, embrace academics for the learning that that could be experienced in that process, and you know, Green Choice was born while I was there. I think because I had opened myself up to to seeking opportunity and understanding that there's not a clear path to success. Hmm. Really great story, and, and ha- bring us back to how you actually came up with the idea for Green Choice. I mean, I you know, some people think about these ideas is sort of like this spontaneous burst of insight and, you know, it just comes to you or something like that. But I imagine a lot of times it's not exactly that. So, I mean, how did it, how did it happen for you? Yeah, it hasn't been like that for me. Um, in that it's, the idea has evolved and grown with, you know, with nurturing and care. Um, it actually was born, the initial seedling came from uh, a class that prompted us um, to basically come up with any business idea and pitch it to the class in a Shark Tank-like format. Um, and this was the first time that I had had somebody, you know, in the academic context, 
say, hey, go think about anything that would be valuable to the world that doesn't exist right now and, and, and try and create a business around it. And so, um, you know, I, I, I do distinctly remember being back home in my living room in Vermont with my dad, who was an environmental studies professor, um, thinking about this obsession and addiction we have with our mobile phones and how we can't seem to separate ourselves from them. Yet, while they capture us like this, they also hold so much power to really enable us to make informed choices. Um, and, and we saw that as an opportunity to help people better understand the impacts of their purchases and realign their dollars and their spending with their values and the things that they want to support in the world. So we said, if we could actually map a life cycle assessment, if we could look of, of anything in your room, any, you know, from the chair to this desk, uh, where did it come from? How were the people paid who made it? You know, how were the resources extracted? Uh, you know, what's the end of life? Where will it go after it's done being used? These things, if we could, through basically the aggregation of all these data points, if we could simplify that for the user into a score, then we could help people make choices that really reflect their best interests. And that was the, the initial seedling for, for Green Choice. So talking with your dad about, about that, like yeah. articulating it in that way. Yeah. That's interesting. And then you came back and said, we're not going to do it about tables or desks. We're going to do about food or... Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think it, it kind of came from this idea of saying, look, more and more people want to make values-based decisions. They want their day-to-day choices to line up with the things they care about. And because information is becoming more and more accessible about the impacts of our daily choices, we're starting to understand that um, you know, ignorance is not bliss anymore. We have major, major climate issues on the horizon that are already impacting many lives. Um, you know, we have a major health epidemic in this country, and we have incredible social, you know, socioeconomic inequities that persist, that are incredibly systemic. And all these things, in many cases, uh, you, can, you can follow the dollars. And uh, the, the things that we're buying are a key driver in many of these, these challenges. So it's a massive opportunity for us. And so it was really about how do we make it super convenient, super easy, and Shoot, it should be fun too. Making good choices for the, you and the planet should be fun too. How do we facilitate this through, through the mobile device? And you, know, you saw food as a great first market because there was such consciousness around what, you know, from a health perspective, what people were putting in their bodies and a growing awareness around food as having the power to be medicine and food's impact on the planet. Um, and so we started with saying, hey, food will be the first of many different markets, of many different product types. Um, I think as we got more into it, and this comes back to your early question, we got more into the problem and realized, oh my gosh, there's so much potential in food alone. It is such, it is at the nexus of all those issues I mentioned. And if we can, you know, really enable people to make great food choices for themselves, for their families, for the planet, then the impact is, you know, it's, it's profound. Uh, and so we've, you know, pivoted to really focus on, on food and, and, and dietary choices. So you you didn't go to um, I know I know you went to business school but you probably didn't train to be the the CEO of a company in, in all the things that that entails what uh, can you name a couple of uh, sort of unforeseen challenges you faced <laughs> <laughs> there's there's so many no I definitely didn't train to be a CEO and I definitely didn't train to be a founder um, but I think you learn as you go and so 
I, you know, if you are willing to embrace the risks associated with the unknown, then, you know, anyone, truly, I believe anyone can start a company. And whether or not you're able to, you know, build a successful business, what you will learn in that process because of being stretched so far outside your comfort zone on a daily basis can be absolutely reformative. (laughs) So mistakes, you know, I think uh, we probably spent too long building the product. I think we probably fell prey to the same issue we did and I did in Peru, which was to say, you know, we didn't, we could have started maybe simpler and going out and and giving people, I don't know, a PDF, a document, a newsletter to say, hey, these are the products that are going to best match up with the things you care about. Start there. And we said, hey, we're building a a mobile app. So I think that's one. Um, Probably uh, didn't take the easiest path to solving the problem initially. Um, So you end up spending more money than you need to. You end up spending more time than you need to. I'd say, you know, there's all sorts of mistakes in terms of, you know, think building a team. You know, I think one thing that's really hard to... You can foster a lot of things through good mentorship. But one thing that's really hard to, to teach is work ethic. And so, you know, on the flip side of this, if, if, if you're somebody that has, and I think many of us have, you know, some core driver that really can put us in a place of incredible work ethic, um, I think it's really important that you find that space that inspires you to work really hard because that is a differentiator. It really is. And not everybody is in that space. And especially people who are doing things that don't inspire them, that don't light them up. Um, If it lights you up and you're going to work hard, you will always be differentiated and have an upper edge. Sounds like um, that wasn't the case for selling Fios door-to-door, right? (laughs) No, I probably would have been terrible at it. (laughs) (laughs) But so so it begs the question of like, how do you you find... I mean, and we'll, we'll wind down here because I think this is one of the most profound questions that people have is like, how do you find what you're passionate about? I mean, I mean, I know that it's not as easy as, you know, some simple platitude or, you know, Mm. way of doing it, but I don't know any insights you've, you seem to have done that for now. And, you know, what, what, I don't know, what, what advice would you give to someone who's kind of struggling with that? Yeah. Well, I think you just said two really powerful words. I haven't thought about it in this context, but for now, right? What are you passionate about for now? What excites you for now? It doesn't have to be your lifelong calling. And to hold yourself to the standard that you're going to figure it out, like your career path is, is going to be what calls you forever. And you should know what is going to excite you forever. I think that's unrealistic, right? Uh, growth inherently means change. And so as you grow, you change, your interests change, your passions may change. And so it's really around finding what excites you right now and, and embracing that. And seeing where it takes you. And so to find that, I think it just comes back to trying things. Like try as much as you can. And as a student, you have that freedom to try things. I think it's very easy to feel like, you know, you need to know what you're supposed to study. You need to know your career path. That, that to switch your major halfway through, you know, college, oh, it comes with so many challenges. But if, if you see something that excites you, that's, you know, pulling you, uh, that you're gravitating towards, Go for it because those are the places that you're going to be able to be your best self and um, probably be the most happy and do the best work. And it may not be your life calling, but um, yeah, I think that for now piece is critical. Find what excites you for now and do that by trying a lot of things. All right. Well, that's, that's excellent advice. And, and uh, if people want to uh, learn more about you, about your story, about, about, about the company, wh- where can they go? 
Yeah. So probably the best space is greenchoicenow.com. That's our company website. You could also find our mobile app. It's free to download in the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. So it's available for both iOS and Android devices. But yeah, and and reach out. I'm I'm happy to share you know my info with with you. And if anyone wants to talk to me directly, I'm more than happy to chat. All right, and thanks so much for coming on, and especially thanks so much for demoing our first uh, in person uh, <laughs> podcast. My my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. Thank you for listening to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom. If you're interested in learning more about the work that I do and helping people step outside their comfort zones and transition successfully into the professional world, please visit my website, www.andymolinsky.com. That's A-N-D-Y-M-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y.com. And also feel free to email me directly at Andy at andymolinsky.com with any feedback or ideas for guests for future podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Brandeis University's International Business School. By teaching rigorous business, finance, and economics, connecting students to best practices, and immersing them in international experiences, Brandeis International Business School prepares exceptional individuals from around the globe to become principled professionals in companies and public institutions worldwide. Thank you so much for listening.